Welcome to the Library Love Fest podcast. I'm Virginia Stanley. I'm Chris Connolly. And I'm Lainey Mays. We are the library marketing team at HarperCollins Publishers. Above all, we love bringing librarians and great books together. Join us every week as we present buzzworthy books through author interviews, conversations with editors, and expert opinions from librarians like you. Enjoy the show. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Check it out. Book Buzz, HarperCollins Book Buzz. Brought to you by Library Love Fest. Hi, welcome back to the podcast. This is Lainey. I'm so excited today because we have, for the third time, Mary Adkins joining us. Hi, Mary. Hi. So very excited to welcome you back. This is the third time you've been on the podcast, one for every single book you've had, which I think is tradition now. We just always need to do this. Yeah, I'm, I now look forward to it. I'll be sad if we don't keep doing this. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to hold you to that. Um, so for your debut novel, when you read this, um, your editor joined us, Emily Griffin, and that was in 2019. And then you had Privilege in 2020, which another funny story, we were at a conference <laughs> talking about that book and then the world shut down before for the pandemic. So we've really been through a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, like a week later. I mean, it was it was really our last hurrah a year yeah. ago before, before we were homebound. It's weird. We recorded the podcast and then a week later, everything shut down. So we'll link to both of those and you can go find out because I love those books so much, especially when you read this. That was super fun and um, and heartfelt. And I hope everyone goes back and listens to those and then reads those books. But right now we want to talk about Palm Beach, which is your new book coming out in August. And I so enjoyed reading this one. And it's always a delight to read your work, but um, there's a lot to discuss. So let's get started. So I'm going to tell a little bit about you and then we'll get to the book. So Mary Atkins is a writer whose work has appeared in the New York Times and the Atlantic, uh, a native of the American South and a graduate of Duke University and Yale Law School. She also teaches storytelling for The Moth. Um, and so tell us about Palm Beach. What do you want them to know? What's it about? So Palm Beach is the story of a couple, Mickey and Rebecca, who are living in New York. Mickey is an actor and he caters kind of on the side to pay his bills. And Rebecca is a journalist. They've been married for a couple of years. And um, at the opening of the novel, they've had a baby and they are moving to Florida, to Palm Beach, Florida, because Mickey has gotten a job offer that he can't turn down, which is running the estate of a mega millionaire who he caters for in New York, running his Florida estate. And it's a really good salary. And after years of kind of, you know, scraping by um, and struggling as like, you know, as, as a freelancer and an artist living in New York City, they are really eager for some stability, especially now that they're parents. And, you know, the warmer weather also has an appeal. So they move, they move to Florida and Palm Beach is the story of all of the crazy stuff that happens to them once they start working in this household. Yeah. And this is very different than your other two books. So when you read this, which again, shameless plug, go read it because it's amazing, but um, it's epistolary. So it's written through different mediums, especially well online mediums. And then Privilege was set on a college campus. So a little bit of a younger group. 
And what, what was that change like writing something a little different? Yeah, it's been fun with, I feel like with all three of my novels, they've been pretty different in structure and perspective. Um, Privilege was also from the perspective of three women on campus. So it was like alternate, you know, each chapter alternated um, to a different point of view. And Palm Beach is really told from the perspectives of both Mickey and Rebecca. So we see what happens to them from really from only those two perspectives from this you know, this couple, this married couple. And um, I think it's, if I kind of had to sum it up, I would say, I think it's as much a story about marriage and the challenges of like being married with, with a, with a baby (laughs) as it is about the kind of like the haves and the have nots and class classes clashing. Yeah. And I think all of your books have that underlying um, you know, there's, it, it equals a lot of like wit and charm, but also a lot of darker things and w- what people deal, how people deal with that. Um, but even like class and, and privilege, not only that your second book was named privilege, but class and privilege, um, are, are running themes and how maybe you don't understand people until you learn a little bit about them. And so it's really great for book clubs because there's a lot to, to go into. And like I said, it's really fast paced and fun. So it, it doesn't feel like you're like, this is a dark topic we have to talk about. So, um, what would you like book clubs to maybe discuss? What are the themes you think they could really go into in this book? Yeah, I think one, one interest I had going into writing it is how we think of ourselves as being principled in certain ways right? Like we have, we have certain values, we have certain ethical standards, even if we've never really articulated those aloud to anyone or, or even to ourselves, like we live by certain values. And then, and then we attach ourselves to other people through, you know, through friendship, through marriage, or we're already kind of biologically bonded to them or, you know, or otherwise not even biologically bonded, but we're, we're attached to them as family. And so when, when are those values clash, what does that do to relationships? I, mean, I think that's really interesting. I think it's something that we all faced so much during like, you know, the last five years, like that cultural clash when people we love felt differently than us politically, because, right? Because we were all so polarized and like navigating those waters of how to, how to maintain a relationship when you hold such different views and and passionately held views when like people are passionately conflicting. I was really interested in that. And so in Palm beach, it's not like Rebecca and, and Mickey as this married couple, they're not, they're not like diametrically opposed. It's not like they hold completely different views, but it's, um, it becomes clear through what's happening to them that like, they do have different values and, and they have to kind of figure out how to make decisions that work for both of them um, while also trying to be true to themselves. And so that's one thing I think is interesting to discuss um, is how that, how that theme plays out, I think, in the book. Another thing I think that's interesting and, and was interesting for me as I was researching it and writing it is how the, the ways in which the mega, mega, mega wealthy. So like truly the, you know, there's a, there's a billionaire, uh, a billionaire couple that features prominently in the narrative and, and in researching the, the world of billionaires, 
um, by talking to many friends who have worked in the catering industry for billionaire families. It, you know, I know we all kind of have, I, I think a lot of us at least have this, have a fascination with how the, the mega wealthy live and because it's so foreign to us. It's like, we're fascinated by it because we, we just wonder what it's like, what, what is it like to have, right. To have that much wealth. Like what, how is, how is your life different from mine and my neighbors? And one thing that I think was interesting in exploring that is how it's not all necessarily good, <laughs> how you may not, I, you know, in talking to some of, some of these friends of mine who have spent years catering for billionaires, it's not, I think I kind of expected there to be a lot of like, oh, what I would give to have that life. And that was not what I was hearing. What I heard a lot of was like, oh gosh, I don't, I wouldn't want that life, which I think is really, was really interesting. That sounds really, yeah, interesting because you don't really think about the other, other factors that come into that money. You know, you have a lot of pressure too. So that is interesting that they had that takeaway. It, and maybe yeah. they feel a little bit like maybe selling your soul a little, like, what do you give up for that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and like what, you know, when you have, I, I mean, an interesting thing that I kind of tried to explore and that I, I was piecing together from some of these conversations was like, when you have everything at your disposal, like you have the means to do anything, then you, you have the freedom to completely structure what you think of as a flawless life. But once you do that, what is lost? Like, is that even, there's like something paradoxical about it. Like when you, when you kind of get rid of the, the messiness of life and the spontaneity of it, is that, are you happy then? You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a really great thing to bring up because there is this upstairs downstairs relationship with, with Mickey at the beginning and then Rebecca later on, because she kind of joins in too. She's in this house daily in some ways. And so both couples kind of feel that they're quote unquote better than the other in some, some way, either financially or morally or being able to empathize. But do you think that money factors into all of these couples decisions, or is it just the people like that they're around because Mickey and Rebecca really have to make tough decisions when the money is in question. Yeah. Yeah. That was something I wanted to explore. We all, I mean, I think there are those studies showing that up to a certain level, more income does make us happier, right? I think it's like $70,000 a person or something, or at least when the study was done. Um, and then as we, as our income rises beyond that point, like it's not correlated with happiness. And so I, I've always found that study and I'm probably like misquoting it, but I, I've always found that really interesting. And I think with Mickey and Rebecca, they kind of are straddling this line between feeling they need more income and more stability, which is true. I think that feeling is, is like objectively, if you kind of looked at their lives on paper, like they do, but then I think they, when, when they're surrounded by all this wealth and opportunity and Mickey gets a raise. And I think they start to flirt with the idea of just accruing wealth for wealth's sake, which is a, which is, I think a really alluring trap for all of us. You know, like I, I think that the blurriness of that line between like what, how much, how much more wealth do we need and how much more wealth do we want just because we're supposed to want more wealth is 
is interesting too, to, to think about. Um, and I think in the book, the stones, the billionaire couple, they, they fall pretty squarely in the, you know, they kind of represent the family that has accrued a massive amount of wealth because that's what they value because they wanted to do that. So that's what they did. Right. And they like, they feel very comfortable in that role. They want to preserve that role and maybe not Mickey as much, but Rebecca begins the book, very judgmental of that. Um, and then I think as she gets to know them and she becomes more comfortable financially herself, that position that she's taken so vehemently becomes a little murkier for her. It's like, it's called into question. Yeah. I think that also rounds back to what would you give up for that? You know, like that stability or yeah, that's interesting. Why was it important to move Mickey and Rebecca to Florida? I mean, there are rich people in New York. So what was the appeal of <laughs> Palm Beach? I love Palm Beach. I love the idea of setting a book in Palm Beach. We actually moved to Palm Beach for a few months. Like, you know, based on that, like the pretense was that I was researching for the book, which was true, sure. but also, <laughs> but also it happened to be winter in New York where we were living. And I mean, I work remotely and Lucas was basically kind of finishing up school remotely. So it was very possible for us to do that. And so it was a, it was a pretty easy and fun call. Um, but yeah, I, th I thought Palm Beach would be a really interesting place to set a book. I'd already set when you read this in New York, I loved writing a story that takes place in New York, but, um, you know, I, I was like, it, it was fun to write the, like the peculiarities of a Florida estate. You know, it was like, it's so rich to imagine that I would spend a lot of time just walking around what the people call the Island, like Palm beach proper, where all the billionaires live. I just walk by and look at their houses and take photos on my iPhone, like a creeper <laughs> and funny. like, imagine what it was like inside. Yeah. That, well, that's another thing I want to talk about. So what was the re other research like this? Because I love the details, especially about, you know, like that book club discussion about the founder and how no one was understanding what it was actually built on and the street names. I think you said like, the book says like, it's either floral or financial. And so, um, <laughs> did you get to go do anything? Like there's some great restaurants and stuff too, that you talk about. Yeah. Yeah. We, all of that exploration paid off in terms of the book. Cause I, yeah, I just loved it. It's a, it's a very quirky town and, and, um, the line in the book floral financial is, I mean, the streets are named things like hibiscus and iris, but also, worth and there's even a narcissist drive <laughs> aptly named <laughs> i appreciated um i mean it's beautiful it's a beautiful city and the research was a lot of just on foot exploration just exploring the geography and uh, making observations and watching people i spent a lot of time at the breakers which is this really grand hotel in the middle of palm beach just kind of watching families and there's a scene in the novel that's set there like i said i talked to a lot of friends i mean my, my husband was an actor for a lot of years so so we're all of our friends and they did a lot of catering because as you know it comes up in the book a lot of actors pay their bills in between gigs by catering and so they had a lot of great just really really juicy stories about that lifestyle. So that was some fun research to do. It's just talking, talking to people. And then um, without hopefully giving away a spoiler, there is a um, 
there's a there's a financial crime that comes up late in the book that involves the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission. And uh, so to research that, I, I have a friend who works at the SEC and I had called him just to see if he would chat with me. And um, he volunteered to, he said, do you want to come up to New York and I'll give you a tour and let you meet people? And I mean, I wasn't going to turn that down. <laughs> So right. I went to the SEC's um, New York offices, not their main DC offices, but I went to their New York offices and had a few meetings and um, it was really fun. I mean, it, I got way more information than I ever <laughs> needed for the book, but it was, it was fun talking to people. And I found they, you know, that they seem to find it fun, you know, to, to like mm. participate in fiction. I would think, I guess my first thought would be like, he'd be like, no, I can't tell you anything. It's secretive. No, That's interesting. That he's like, come on in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Maybe that was a very like, look, we're all, we're all open here. <laughs> Everything is um, the way it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. You know, they were very cautious about like, they didn't let me in on anything yeah. confidential or privileged. It was, the conversation was all very general, you know, it was yeah. like, I, you know, me asking like, what, how, what would this process be like? What kind of language would they use if they approach someone about an investigation? What would the steps be? You know, the, that kind of stuff that right. I'm sure that I'm sure is actually public knowledge, but is probably kind of hard to find if you're just digging around the internet, yeah. just because why would it be consolidated in one place? Right. But it yeah. was still fun. Yeah. Going to the source would be easier, I'm sure. Um, so also exploring motherhood. This one is a lot about motherhood. So Rebecca's home with Bash, their son for a lot of the book. And so how does she deal with her new role as a mother, especially when it comes to her career? Yeah. So Rebecca is, um, when the novel opens, she's just, she's a journalist, like I said, a freelance journalist, and she's just landed a column writing for New York magazine, which is like a dream gig. She gets to write this column um, and it's on wealth inequality. That's like her beat, which is she's super excited about because she's passionate about that. And she has this baby and it's great because she's she's the kind of mom, I feel like they're kind of two kinds of, of moms of babies. They're like the ones who are willing to leave their baby with someone else and the ones who aren't. And Rebecca is the, the a mom who does not want her son, her, her infant son to be you know out of sight. So this, this is a pretty great gig that she's gotten because she can write while in theory, she can write while the baby is sleeping or like, you know, while he's napping or just take a little time away while her husband's with the baby. So she can, so she can write. Um, so she really is trying to juggle those two things, but she's hopeful that it's going to be manageable and that she'll be able to pull it off. Um, that, that sort of uh, doesn't last too long because she gets offered this job um, working for the the wife of the the billionaire who in the home where where her husband Mickey works, who wants this woman wants Rebecca to write her to basically ghostwrite her memoir. So she begins having to go to this estate to work with this woman on the book, and because she doesn't want to leave her son alone. She takes him along with her, um, which, you know, is not going to, is not going to be a seamless thing. and isn't a seamless thing. So, um, I think in those ways, like she's actually pretty typical in, I mean, actually not, she's, she's atypical in the sense that like, you know, a lot of moms have to go back to nine to fives where they 
aren't able to take their children to work. So she's already quite privileged in that way. But even, even being in this privileged position, she's still, it's not like it's easy. Like it's still, it's still really bumpy and difficult. And um, she kind of feels on her own navigating it. I think in a way that a lot of, a lot of moms are new moms. Yeah. Maybe she's more in a position to receive that help at certain cost because she does feel like she has to take care of this, this baby in any way possible. And she is, yeah. yeah. Well, I just want to reiterate again, and you don't have to answer this because I, I think it's more of an open-ended thing, but it really made me think a lot of like, what did these couples teach each other? If anything, like at the end of this book, I think that's great for book clubs to go into too. Like, what did they teach each other or did they? <laughs> and so yeah. there's so much to talk about. And, um, it, like I said, it it's fast paced too. So it, you feel like you're reading like this beach tree, but there's so much underneath and a lot to, I, I don't know how I would have dealt with a lot of issues that they went through. You know, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what they, uh, what they have to do for themselves. So yeah. Thank you so much for writing this book. Is there anything else you want to talk about book-wise? My pleasure. No, I love that. I love how you just put that. And um, I haven't thought of it that in that way or that like that succinctly. Like what did, what did they teach each other? Um, so that's a good question. Thank you. I'm, yeah. I mean, I I'm not giving anything away. <laughs> I just want people like I'm thinking of that too myself. Just, you know, yeah. what do I think? But uh, you set it up to, to be a perfect discussion question. I don't know if you can tell us, but are you working on anything new? Kind of. I mean, I'm just kind of flirting with a couple of ideas right now. I'm in the phase of, um, you know, working on a couple of projects to see which feels like it has the most energy behind it. And, um, and yeah, and we'll just be excited about promoting Palm Beach over the next couple of months. Yeah. Well, it comes out on August 3rd, so you don't have very long, but for the librarians out there, they can go get an e-galley. So they can start reading and, uh, and the, they won't regret it. It'll be fun. Um, so yeah, third podcast episode in the books. Yay. <laughs> Can't wait to We're have on you on roll. again. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Thanks for joining us, Mary. Thanks, Lainey. Thank you for listening to the Library Love Fest podcast. For more information on this week's episode, go to librarylovefest.com. Enjoying the show? We would love to hear what you think. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Library Love Fest and on Instagram at Harper Library. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share the show with a friend. Lastly, if you enjoy our show, we bet you'll enjoy all of the other podcasts from HarperCollins Publishers. Find a list of shows at harpercollins.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.